Welcome to Keeping It a Hundo. I'm your host, Matty Hundo. What's going on? Just wanted to give you an update on Clean John, formerly Homeless John. John, uh, I keep in touch with him on a regular basis. And last week, he sent me a video uh, riding his bike past the American Airlines Arena where the Miami Heat play. Uh, he rides his bike every day from the shelter to Denny's. And he wanted to show his appreciation for everything I've done. And he bought me a t-shirt in front of the arena while the Heat were playing that night. And he sent me a video uh, of, of the t-shirt and uh, of him in front of the arena. He was very excited to, to return the favor for, I guess, for everything I've done for him. It was the first time he had bought me something. So uh, he's doing well. He has enough disposable income to, to buy me gifts. So that's always nice. He's going to be on the program again soon. He's got a lot going on, and most of it's pretty good, positive stuff. So looking forward to having him back on and just getting an update on his life. Thought I'd share that with you. It was I met up with him this week, and he gave me the shirt. I mean, I told him I, I definitely can't wear that shirt because my friends back at home in Boston will never let me live it down if I wear that shirt. A Miami Heat shirt with Dwayne Wade on it, it's not going to happen. But it's a thought that counts, so thank you, John. And a little more maintenance before we get to the show. Make sure you're not just listening, but you're subscribing. When you subscribe, you'll get a notification to your phone that there's a new episode, so it makes it easier to listen each week. I know my dad said he had no clue that I put out a few episodes the last few weeks. So uh, I got to give people a little tutorial on how to download and subscribe. And now for the show, my guest today is Steve Calhoun from Armed and Dangerous. He's one of the top quarterback gurus in the country. He's trained everything from high school quarterbacks to Super Bowl champion quarterbacks. So stay tuned to Keeping It a Hundo. Where'd you watch the Super Bowl this year? Actually, uh, just at the house, man. Me and uh, me and Keenan was just hanging out, watching uh, Keenan Allen. We were watching the game, relaxing, looking at everybody freeze. Well, they were in the dome, but you know it was minus three degrees out in, in Minneapolis. They gotta stop having Super Bowls in cold cities. I don't see the point. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I was planning on going, but just to to go from one building to the next, you actually had to yeah, go yeah. out go outside. You know, I was at the one in uh, Houston two years ago, which was an awesome, awesome event. So, I heard people were it was like Mall of America, and ice fishing, and that was all like anybody did. There was nothing else to do, and you go to restaurants. And yeah, about yeah. It. I mean, there was not a lot going on in downtown Minneapolis. Yeah, you know, and there was nothing. Uh, kind of, I mean, kind of like here in, in uh, Indianapolis, right? Where all they have things that connect. They got hallways and. Um, walkways that connect to every restaurant, to every hotel, so you, you really don't have to brave the, the elements outside. True. They should have uh, they should have the combine in Chicago. I'm sure they're gonna start to move it around. Yeah. I'm sure they're gonna you know middle I, of the country makes sense because everybody comes from, you know, all over the country. I mean this is not Indianapolis not the middle? Mm, it it's, is. It's a little bit left, a little bit yeah. But I'm but, saying like I, 
I get it that they want to do it in the middle, but Chicago yeah. is just like such a better city with more options and things to do and whatnot. That's true. That's true. But uh, I think uh, I think it's a little bit less distraction for the players. <laughs> That's a good That's point. That's why I think they keep it here and this addition, and then having the the hospital so close. I mean, it's right there, so all the players can go get MRI. Okay. And uh, you know, X-ray and stuff like that. It's set up right for back. it perfectly. Yeah, it's set up perfectly. You're the expert. Yeah. What was it like for you watching Nick Foles? It was awesome. That's a guy mean, you work with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be able to see you know Nick play as well as he did, I knew he was always prepared. Um, just working with him, you know, coming out, coming out of college in the draft, you know, he always was a, 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 an attention to detail type of quarterback. So you know, once the kind of wheels came off, I mean, he had that really really good year with uh, Philadelphia, and then he got traded, and then. You know, he didn't play so well. Everybody thought he was a system guy. Thought he was a system guy, absolutely. So uh, for him to come back and, and play as well as he did, first of all, it tells me that um, Doug Peterson is a great coach because he can adjust his offense to to Carson Wentz or to Nick Foles. So, I mean, it's all about the fit for, you know, when quarterbacks have success. I think it helped having a, an ex-quarterback, a, a quarterback-specific coach, Leading them this year, he really proved his worth. Yeah, uh, Doug Peterson. Yep. Today I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana, with Steve Cutter Calhoun of Armed and Dangerous. In 2013, Bleacher Report named Steve one of the top five quarterback gurus in the country. His company, Armed and Dangerous, trains quarterbacks from all over the country: NFL guys, college guys, high school guys. He's even played and hosted camps over in Germany. If you listen long enough, you might hear something you've never heard before. Have you ever heard a black man speak German? It just might happen here today on Keeping It a Hundo. So straight out of Southern California, his Jedis know him as Yoda. I know him as Cutter. Please welcome Steve Cutter Calhoun to the program. Yep, definitely. I'm a big Star Wars fan, and and Yoda was my guy. And so once I was able to start working with quarterbacks, I always saw myself as Yoda and my quarterbacks that I'm working with are kind of like young Padawans or Luke Skywalkers trying to uh, get that knowledge so they can become a, a Jedi like myself. I don't even know what Padawans are, <laughs> but I know what a Jedi is. Padawan is pre-Jedi, bro. Oh, okay. That's where they started. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like kindergarten. Steve's based out of Southern California, Orange County. Orange County, yeah. Grew up in Santa Ana, living in Anaheim. Been there pretty much my whole life, except for the six years that I grew up in Germany. My father was stationed in the Army, so I was born in Orange County. Father got stationed in, in uh, Bremen, Germany. Grew up there till I was six, and that's when we moved back to the States. And, and I've been there ever since. Little toddler on a flight, on a... 11-hour flight over to Europe. You played quarterback for, what, 30-something years? Yeah, 37. So you started playing in... uh, Yeah, when I was six years old. Six years old? Yeah. It was, yeah, you know, I have four older brothers, and one of my brothers, Lorenzo, he was a quarterback. So the foundation of where I learned how to play the game was through him. He taught me how to throw. He taught me about drops and three-step and five-step drops and just to... um, making sure that I understood what everybody's doing on the field, and that's part of what quarterback has to do, has to be that extension of the coach. 
you went to high school when? Uh, from 84 to 88. Okay. Yeah. So back then, were they giving you a hard time for being a black quarterback? Was that an issue at all? Well, not in Santa Ana. You know, not in, not in Santa Ana. I mean, it was really uh, a diverse area. I mean, it was predominantly black and Hispanics. So I didn't see any of that until I really got to try to make it to the NFL and or try to make it to the CFL. Once I got out of college, then they were like, oh, okay. Um, oh, you're a quarterback? Hey, but how fast do you run? How do you 40? And I'm like, well, I run a 499, you know, but I can throw the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're thinking, you know, Warren Moon. I mean, just really more athletic uh, black quarterbacks. It's really weird. It wasn't that long ago that that stuff was going on, the black quarterback thing, mm-hmm. which yeah. is crazy. It wasn't that long ago. No, no, not at all. And now what, half the league maybe is? You know, Lamar Jackson from out of Louisville. You know, there's been some people who said, hey, you should just focus on playing receiver. But he's so dynamic at the quarterback position. And you look at his numbers, I mean, compared with anybody in the countries. So I heard uh, somebody asked him, I don't know if it was a scout or one of these talking heads, but yeah. they asked him how he felt about playing wide receiver. He said Correct. he can't catch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I actually heard some, some other guys uh, – my friend Raja Bell has a podcast, and he was talking about him and Danny Cannell. Mm-hmm. They were talking about Lamar is kind of getting, already getting labeled as, uh, you know, I don't know if dumb is the word, okay. but, you know, he's not that articulate. Right. And because of where he comes from, he's kind of product of his environment, but at the same time, he's proven he can handle a, a complex offense, and he's a smart kid. He's just not articulate. Exactly. And those are two different things. Right. And they were comparing it to a guy like E.J. Manuel, our boy. Yeah. Um, they were saying E.J. came into his pre-draft stuff and interviewed really well. Mm-hmm. Well-spoken guy. Look you in the eye. Shake your hand. So they said they didn't really see it as racial profiling. Okay. I had the opportunity to meet Lamar down at the Manny Passing Academy. Great kid. You know, just, I mean, as far as... Him being able to interview here, that just takes practice if you're not used to being interviewed. But it's that's not a knock on his you know, on his character or his sure. knowledge of the game because you know, Coach Petrino's offense is a it's an NFL offense, and so for him to be able to be in that offense for you know two, three years and be able to have the production that he has, you know that just tells me he can handle an NFL playbook. When he was at the Manning camp, you know, on his way there. The airline lost his luggage, so he was just in tennis shoes out there throwing, and he was still out throwing everybody. <laughs> Not really taking you know hard drops and stuff, but he has an unbelievable arm, and his you know his football IQ is up there. I mean, I know uh, just talking to Peyton and Eli, they were really impressed with him. I think somebody's gonna get a steal with him because they're gonna sleep on him. He's yeah, gonna I mean, drop a little bit. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah, but he's so dynamic, you know, as far as with comparing him to Michael Vick and the. the the Michael Vick effect he had on the NFL, that's the second coming I think that Lamar is going to have as well. We're out here in Indianapolis at the 2018 NFL Combine. Steve works with guys every year, getting them ready for, for the Combine, getting them ready for their pro day. Who are you out here with this year, Steve? Um, I have uh, one quarterback that's here. His name is Tanner Lee from out of Nebraska. He's uh, had, a, had a rough year. Everybody looks at his interceptions, but I, you know we went through every snap. And we went through all those interceptions, and me just judging him really hard. There was actually only three that was his fault. You know, the others were, you know, protection breakdowns. He had a young offensive line, 
um, receivers, you know, bounce off their hands, that type deal. I think he's going to slide a little bit because of the number of interceptions, but he's definitely, you know, I, I would pick him in the second round. He's a transfer from Tulane. He's a transfer from Played Tulane. Played two, three years at Tulane. Played three years at Tulane, transferred up to Nebraska, had to sit out that one year, and then played uh, the one year last year for Coach Riley. Where's he projected to go? He's projected between three and five. Okay. You know, but he's six five. You know, can throw a ball, throw a car wash, and the ball don't get wet. So the one thing I had to address with him right away was his footwork. And I told him um, I had to get his footwork to match his arm because everybody's enamored by his arm strength, but his accuracy problems that people have concerns on, that all comes from his footwork being unbalanced. And if you have balance, you create create accuracy. When did you start working with him? Uh, we started working eight weeks ago. Okay, so, so postseason. Yeah, postseason, you know, they had a rough, rough year, won four games, so he came out to California right away. It wasn't like they had a bowl game, so we started uh, early January, and uh, that was the first thing I addressed was him – you know, about his footwork, made him start jumping rope, which he hadn't been exposed to. That's great. Yeah, so, I mean, I always translate quarterback into boxing. You know, you have to be able to have the ankle stability and you know, be bouncing and then be able to set your feet at a moment's notice and deliver energy from your lower half of your body out through your hand. That's the exact same thing that a quarterback has to do. And don't forget to pronate. And pronate. you got to have thumb pronation to spin the ball. <laughs> How do you link up with a guy like Tanner? Okay. He's, he's not from out in Southern California. Correct. I am uh, linked in with a couple of different training facilities, strength and conditioning facilities out in Southern California. The one that Tanner was working with is called Exos. They have a couple of different locations around the country. Yeah, we got one in Miami now. Mm -hmm. I did some of my uh, ACL rehab work with them. There you go. What, like Phoenix, oh, yep, Phoenix Miami, Southern SoCal? Yeah, there's two, in, there's two in California, okay. and there's one in Dallas all uh, as well. Okay. So I was, I'm their quarterback coach. So anybody that comes to Exos out in Carson, California at, uh, at the StubHub Center where the Chargers play, right. they'll be working with me. So I had two quarterbacks besides uh, Tanner Lee. I had John O'Corn from Michigan. Yep. So I was able to work with those guys for the last eight weeks. And He's not coming to the combine, but he's doing a pro day. He's doing a pro day. Okay. Yeah. So he wasn't, uh, John wasn't invited here to Indianapolis, but. Explain quickly the difference between the combine and the pro day. Well, I mean, basically, um, the NFL is trying to figure out who's going to be the top 350 players because there's only 254 players that get drafted. So they invite what they feel is the top 350 to evaluate them, get a chance to know them. And the biggest thing is everybody in the NFL is in one location. And it's, so that's the main thing. That's the difference between pro days and um, the combine. So at a pro day, there's just area scouts, and now they have to share information. Scout, coach, GM, owner, they're all in one location. So everybody gets to see it with their own eyes and not have to go from somebody else's word. You went to what high school? I went to Santa Ana Valley High School, and then from there I went to uh, Santa Ana College, played there two years, and then went to New Mexico State. And, uh, Took the JUCO route and ended up at New Mexico State. How'd you end up at New Mexico State? Was that pretty much clear cut from? Well, no, from what actually, they offered or? no, actually, uh, they weren't very, very good. And so when I was getting uh, mail from them, I'm just looking like, no, I want to go big time. Um, I want to play at a higher Division One school. 
and and once it all shook out, I didn't have those offers that I thought I was going to get to. But New Mexico State was always there, recruiting me, always staying in touch throughout uh, my my sophomore season, and then also my best friend, he decided to go there, and we're both guys that grew up, you know, in Santa Ana, and we had never been there to the state of New Mexico, so we wanted to go together and have somebody that we knew, and it turned out to be a really great experience. Met a lot of great people, got a, got a great degree, and I still go back every year you know, to support their team, even though my son plays at UTEP, which is our, our rival. Right. It's, a, it's a bigger rival than New Mexico. So Steve's son, Nick Needham, is uh, going to be a senior cornerback mm-hmm. at UTEP. Cornerback, not quarterback. Correct. On the side uh, of the ball. He's picking off Steve's passes now. <laughs> He's been listed as a draft prospect for next year. Correct. He has a chance to to do something, get to the league. Correct. He was actually uh, he's uh, rated as a fourth-round pick this year because he's a redshirt junior, so he's eligible to come out in the draft. Um, but he recently had uh, labrum surgery on his left shoulder, which kind of um, made his decision made, made easy. Made his decision easy to come back for next year. But yep. It's going to be a different process. You know, I've been here at the Combine for five years now watching my quarterbacks and receivers go through this whole process. It's definitely going to be a different feeling of having my son go through it, and and I, I'm going to have to stay kind of hands-off. And I can tell by different. looking at your face right now that it's not easy. <laughs> no, it's going to be. Yeah, with the information that I know what goes on, the interview process, the do's and the don'ts and stuff like that, it's going to be hard not to interject. And I will interject. Sure. I just don't want to be that dominant father. Don't want to be LeVar Ball and speak Cut a ball. <laughs> Cut a ball. <laughs> yeah, have my man, have my son backpedaling in Lithuania. <laughs> Big cut of brand. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Who's a good comp for him? What player would you compare him to the way he plays? I've seen him play a couple times. I don't get all UTEP games. He plays pretty physical for a corner. Definitely. Um, God, that's a great great question. I've, I've never really evaluated my son like that. A good friend of mine, CJ Leake, he's a scout for the New Orleans Saints, and we were talking last night, and he was just talking about how physical Nick is. And Some teams are actually looking at him as a safety, but he's so technically sound from the quarterback position, he's not afraid to come up and tackle, and he can eliminate one half of the field. He sounds like a great nickel to me. And he said he can be a, a, a great nickel back. He's just he's really diverse, can play all the positions in the secondary. So, I mean, the more you can do, the more you can enhance your stock. So going back to New Mexico State. My junior year didn't play. We had a we had a senior um, in front of me that uh, that played over us, who's, who's like one of my best friends now named David Chisholm. You know, he's, he's an actor. You'll see him on, you know, all these different – Shows. I know a guy named David Chisholm. Okay. From my high school. Okay. Shout out to Mike Chisholm. <laughs> yeah, so he played my junior year, and I came in with another guy named Chuck Polari. Going into my senior year, I actually uh, had tore my labrum in my throwing shoulder, which set me back till game five. So didn't get a chance to get all the reps and play as much as I wanted to my senior year. You know, Chuck was uh, the starter because I got the setback. So it was a frustrating time, like, okay, what, what am I going to do? Um, and so I just went and start through at, you know, New Mexico State's, you know, pro day and um, didn't get that much interest because I didn't have the, the film to back it up. So I started to go to, like, the regional combines, doing that stuff. Ended up playing some arena football. Played arena football for one year. Didn't like it at all. 
because I couldn't throw 18-yard comeback routes. <laughs> couldn't throw the ball outside. Everybody knew it was the ball was coming inside. Yeah. And, um, and then from there, came back, still wanted to continue to play and played some semi-pro football for the Fresno Bandits. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was so much talent there because there was guys who were being released from you know, NFL rosters and CFL rosters and um, our head coach, um, uh, Bob Martin, you know, collected all of us and put a team together and we played a schedule and had a lot of success. And from there, a guy approached me and asked me, do I want to play football in Germany? Germany. He was like, well, you know, this would be a contract. I said, oh, <laughs> this is a contract? When do I leave? Yeah. He was like, get a passport and you'll be leaving in two weeks. And that was in uh, 1995. And went and played for the Munich Cowboys and stayed over there for nine years. And now I speak fluent German. Um, what league was that in? That's the that's the GFL. Okay. So there's two leagues over there. There's the GFL, the German. So each country in Europe has their own football league. And then also during that time was the NFL Europe. Right. So, um, but the difference is in the GFL, you only can have six American players on the team at one time. And then the NFL Europe you can only have six European players and all those guys. So just opposite rules. Yeah. But it was a great experience. Played over there nine years. How many teams in the GFL? There's actually six levels, and there's 12 teams in each level. Okay. Um, Is it similar to soccer and basketball over there where you get up and down each division based on how well you do each season? Exactly. Okay. So So the top team in the second league will play against the last team in the first league. They play a home and away game, and the difference then that determines if you go up or go down. Okay. So, no, that was pretty exciting because it's set up just like soccer. So where in Germany did you play? Uh... I actually played in a few places. Um, started out in Munich and went from Munich to Dusseldorf, played there for a couple of years, and then from uh, Dusseldorf played in Landsberg, which is near Munich because I had some ties down there, and then went and played in Kiel. Up in northern northern Germany, <laughs> yeah, right next to the uh, the North Sea. They got teams everywhere they out got there. Teams everywhere, and then came back and played for um, the Langenfeld Longhorns, which is near Dusseldorf because of my connections there, and then finished playing in Essen for the Essen Cardinals, which is right there, all around Dusseldorf. I just had so many friends and I knew so many coaches, and uh, that's I believe the best part of Germany right there is is it's called the North Rhine-Westphal. Um, in, in, in Dusseldorf, Cologne area. Played nine years over there. Been to 14 different countries. You know, the vehicle of football has taken me around the world. So, and that's what I explain to a lot of my young quarterbacks is there's so many things that you can do through football. The people you meet, the relationships you build, the networking opportunities. It's just, and now it's taken me to having me, having my own company. And speaking of the networking opportunities in Europe, You've started camps over in Germany. Correct. And where else are you? Yeah, um, done camps in Germany, um, the Netherlands, and and now I'm about to do my first one in Great Britain, in London. And I'm going to do it the same week that the Chargers are playing the Titans. So that's October 21st. I'm going to do a two-day camp on Thursday, Friday. Um, I'm training, you know, four of the receivers right now from – from the Chargers, I also have a quarterback that plays for the Titans, and so they're all going to come by and visit the camp, and you know, say a few inspirational words to keep you know let them know that the game is a global game now, and uh, just to have those guys you know from the Chargers and the Titans come over to my camp is going to be an unbelievable thing. 
what's the talent like over there right now? I know football doesn't have a rich history in Europe. What are those guys looking like? Are they starting to get recruited a little bit yet? There is there's so much talent over there. With the GFL, the league I played in, and the the coaches. I mean, they're they're bringing in coaches to do clinics and and do camps and stuff like that. So the game has really grown. So and the the foundation of of the fundamentals is really being taught there. So they don't have any any bad habits yet. It's just a raw piece of clay in that. You know, people are, um, coaches are coming over like myself and other guys and are able to mold those guys and really instill the fundamentals. And so many of those guys are coming to play in high school now and college. One young man's name is uh, Salou Cisse, who's a six foot five quarterback um, from out of Lubeck, Germany. I remember doing a camp when he was like 12 over there. And now he came over to California, played for Aquinas High School, got a Division One uh, scholarship just this past season. So he's going to be playing for. Um, or actually Division Two, he's playing for Azusa Pacific University. Yeah. The Nigerian so, nightmare. That's it, absolutely. Same yeah. school. So from him being a 12-year-old quarterback, seeing him develop and then seeing him play in high school, won a CIF, won a state championship this year, and now he's going to play you know, um, at Division Two and got a scholarship. A guy like you who was like a borderline NFL prospect, you've trained a bunch of guys who ended up in the CFL or – you know, they were third string NFL guys. What's the main thing that separates a guy who's killing it in the CFL from being a number two or a number one guy in the NFL? What's the main difference that separates those two quarterbacks? I think the main difference for me is opportunity. <laughs> it's opportunity. I mean, because if a guy's playing at a really high level in the CFL, um, that's what I mean. There's guys up yeah. there who throw for. You know, five thousand yards a season. Yeah, I mean, they clearly have the arm strength. They clearly have the ability. Yeah, to throw the ball. Definitely. I mean, I just worked out last week for the first time. Uh, a quarterback named uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson. So he's been in the NFL. He's been with uh, with the Eagles. He's been with um, um, the Forty ers and now he's playing in the CFL for the Toronto Argonauts. But for you know the knowledge of the game and. The way he can throw the ball and his footwork, I was really, really impressed. I'm wondering why, why he could not get a shot back in the NFL. Because I know he's better than you know. There's 105 quarterback positions in the NFL. He's definitely could be one of that 105. And I know you've worked with guys that didn't have the ability that he has. Sure, I'm there, sure. There's no doubt about it. So it really comes down to opportunity, and then the next thing is just understanding the the NFL game. You have to have the knowledge, you know, between all the different offenses, the West Coast offense and some of the other offenses that you're going to be faced with in the NFL. You have to, but it all comes from experience. You know, you just need you need somebody to give you that opportunity to learn and see if your your IQ is high enough to handle that. And if it's not, and then you know that would be a reason why guys wouldn't make it as well. Who else have you worked with in the NFL? I know a couple of guys that people are familiar with, our friend EJ you've mm-hmm. worked with. Yeah, Cody um, Kessler, um, Mike Glennon, uh, Kellen Moore, who just recently retired, and now he's the quarterback coach. He went from – Quarterback act- coach with Dallas? With the Cowboys, yeah. yeah. So he went from active roster quarterback to now he's the quarterback coach. He knows coach. the offense. He knows the offense. <laughs> and, you know, what's funny. Um, it was him and Nick Foles together who I was training that came out that same year in the draft. So those guys were together. So that's been, uh, that's been really interesting. 
to see those guys going in a different path. So explain to the listeners the difference between you being a quarterback coach or a quarterback guru who works with guys in their offseason mm-hmm. compared to a quarterback coach for a team. Um, well, as far as quarterback coaches with a team, they're not going to spend a bunch of time. With technique. With technique, with your footwork and your throwing mechanics. They're going to teach you how to decipher a defense and where to go with the ball and make sure you understand the protections so you can protect yourself versus any coverage. And then myself, I work with all the details that, from the footwork to the throwing mechanics. Um, that's my part of it. You know, and, and it's a small part of helping those guys have that success at the next level or you know, once they get back to their teams. I mean, we do do some board work and some film study and, you know, if I feel that they have some deficiencies, you know, understanding coverages and, and protection and stuff like that, that is something that I do work on um, in the offseason. I just try to be that extension of the quarterback coach for whatever team they play with. And I never try to change how they do things at Philadelphia or with Chicago. Um, I never, because they don't play for me, they play for them. And I never want to get that rap of, oh, hey, I'm not going to send my quarterbacks to that guy in the offseason because he wants to change what we're doing here at our organization. So I have a great relationship with a lot of the quarterback coaches here that, I, you know, that I'm seeing yesterday and today here in Indianapolis around the combine, and I have that respect for them. So they don't mind to refer me to another quarterback coach in the NFL, like, hey, if you guys are looking for offseason work, send them to Steve Calhoun on the Dangerous Football. That's what I was going to ask you. Have you had any differences or any uh... – issues with anybody's teams any coaches right. with their actual team saying you know this guy's trying to right. you know be meddlesome or anything right. like that uh never had it because i always put myself in their shoes if i'm the quarterback coach for the indianapolis Colts, and my quarterback comes back and there he changes his footwork to something that we don't do in our offense i'm going to definitely be against that so I always talk to the quarterbacks, ask them what, what, what are their steps that they're taking on certain progressions and how they do things at their organization, and I just try to enhance it. So I've never had a problem with uh, coaches, quarterback coaches, offensive coordinators in the NFL. Not surprised to hear that. Very amiable guy, Cutter. Appreciate it. So you also work with wide receivers. These quarterbacks need somebody to throw to. Definitely. So you got good, some, some good guys out there like Keenan Allen catching balls. Yeah. Definitely. You know, it's kind of funny that people think of me as a quarterback guy, and they were like, well, what do you know about receivers? I'm like, well, I've been throwing to them my whole life. <laughs> and so I started to put the, the time in to really understand, you know, how they get in and out of their breaks and the depths of their routes and their side adjustments. So if I know that as a quarterback, it really allows me to play at a higher level because now I can really throw guys open because I know exactly which way the receiver is going to attack the DB and the, the window that they're looking for. So now we're on the same page, and that's been really helpful. So, I mean, um, I started doing that, again, seven years ago when I started the draft prep. Um, the guy who got me into draft prep is Joby Brannion. He runs Vanguard Sports, but back then he was with Athletes First. So since they already had a quarterback coach, uh, they asked me, hey, well, can you do receivers? And I said, yeah. So that first class I had um, – um, Kenny Stills had Kenny Stills playing for the Dolphins and like okay and he had a success I remember a few years ago you were working with Sterling Shepard correct it's great having a friend like Cutter because yeah. I'm a Giants fan <laughs> and I see the Giants pick up Sterling Shepard in the mm-hmm. draft definitely. I gotta hit up Cutter yeah tell me about this kid yeah and he told me he's a beast yeah definitely and he is he's yeah. 
I mean, he is a talented kid. Definitely. I mean, just the, the players I had the opportunity to work with receiver-wise over the last, you know, six, seven years, from Cordero Patterson to Robert Woods to Marquise Lee. To is Tom. it Cordero or is it Cordero? No, it's Cordero. I hear it pronounced both. No, it's Cordero. Because I think CP is just easy. <laughs> CP. I hear EJ call him CP. So. Exactly. That's what I call him, too. Right. Unless, uh, you know, he's not doing well on one of his workouts. <laughs> I call him by his, by his mama's name. Yeah. Hey, yep. Cordero, let's go. All right. But, uh, no, nah, it's, been, it's been great, you know, working with Keenan Allen and, and uh, Robert Woods. Robert Woods and Tyler Lockett and Sterling Shepard and Corey Coleman and Michael Floyd. It's been really um, great to see. So I have a couple in this year's draft that's going to be. Really, really, really good. Yeah, who are the well. receivers you have this year? I have Darren Carrington. I remember from, his dad. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Darren Carrington uh, from University of Utah. And uh, also Byron Pringle from uh, Kansas State. Those are the two receivers that I have. Carrington's a guy who had some issues up in Oregon. Yes. And, I mean, he's he's probably going to slip a little bit, but and, they're going to get a steal. They're going to get a first-round pick. Yeah. Yeah, so those are the two guys that I have at the uh, – here at the combine, but I am working with three other guys, um, you know, for their pro days. Jordan Smallwood from Oklahoma, and then also uh, Anthony. Um, he's a receiver at uh, University of Purdue, and he's from France. I can't pronounce his last name, okay. but he's from France. I've known the kid since he was little as well. Almost, from Euro camps? From, yeah, from Europe. Wow. Yeah, so he played with the Paris Flash, and his uncle, um, Olivier Sakuvigi, was my center in Munich. Wow. Yeah. So we were talking, you know, you know, a month ago, and we were talking about just his connections from France and my. And I was like, yeah. I said, man, one of my good friends in my center was Olivier Sakuvigi. He was like, hey, that's my uncle. So I mean, just the, the football world is really small. So you mentioned Jordan Smallwood from Oklahoma. Yes. Baker Mayfield is he a Johnny Manziel, or is he a completely different guy? He's a different guy. Okay. I mean, got a chance to meet Baker. I don't mean character-wise. I mean right, right, football-wise. Right. right. No, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah, I got a chance to meet him at the Manning Passing Academy like I do every year with all the top, you know, quarterbacks that they invite down there. And just, I mean, he can command a room. His That's huge for a quarterback. Yeah. And it's not arrogance. It's just people want to follow him because, I mean, he's just, uh, I mean, he has this chip on his shoulder that when he starts to talk ball, um, he, you can just tell he's a winner. So if Baker's in a room with Josh Rosen and Sam Donald, then there's a they they got to drive somewhere, and there's this one set of keys. Baker's driving. Baker's driving. Yeah, and those guys ain't gonna sit in the front seat. <laughs> They're gonna sit in the back seat. That's just how, you know, he wants to dominate any competition that's uh, that's around him. And that's what the first thing I saw, you know, at the Manny Passing Academy. Again, you have the 40 top college quarterbacks there, and he really just stood out. You know. Not verbally, not just a rah-rah guy, mm-hmm. but just his effort and how he was talking to the receivers. So if Omden Dangerous had the first first pick in this year's draft, who's Omden Dangerous taking? I'm taking Josh Rosen. Okay. He's the most uh, ready NFL quarterback coming out in this year's draft. But uh, but Baker Mayfield would be a definite close second. So Donald's going third. Donald would go In your mind. In my mind. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a really good class. I mean, from, you know, my guy Tanner Lee to Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State. I mean, there's some really, really talented throwers and some smart quarterbacks in this year's draft. Have any unorthodox training techniques? No. Have you tried anything unorthodox? No. Or is it just getting out there and throwing the it's, football? It's getting out there and, 
you know, getting on the surface. You know, I'm not going to train guys at the beach um, or in waist deep water. You know, not on the sand or not in the water because that's not the environment we play in. Basically, with Armed and Dangerous, I've created a drill for every possible movement they can make in the game. Every possible one. So I watch a bunch of film and a bunch of tape on them, on, on quarterbacks in general, and just come up with a drill, rep it, have it become muscle memory, and now the mind is just free to worry about coverage and protections in the body. It's just going to be on autopilot and just going to be doing those movements that we repped over and over and over as far as the footwork, the pocket movement, evading pressure, um, that's so I'm not going to go outside the box. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. The wheel's been there since 1801, and it's the same shape and it's still running. So that's what I do. That's my, my philosophy when I'm training quarterbacks. How does a quarterback coach get paid? You don't have a going rate. No. no. And I feel like a lot of times I know from training athletes, they kind of set their own price sometimes, mm-hmm. and you kind of have to just deal with it. Correct. And I think that working with certain people is great marketing, mm-hmm. and it's always it's not always great money. Correct. But then the money comes from other places. How does that work in your field? Well, there's a couple of different ways. Off-season-wise, like NFL guys, there's some agents that say, hey, I believe in you, so I'm going to pay for your training. You know, I want you to get the best training, so I've been paid that way. And you're um, aligned with some agents. And I'm aligned with some agents. I can get random calls from an agent going, okay, hey, you know, my guy's going to be out in California. I want to get him some workouts. Hey, I'm going to take care of his bill. You know, don't want him to even worry about it. So I've been paid that way. And then just coming back to high school and college guys and, and youth kids, the parents, but you have to understand the demographics. You know, you get a chance to talk to the parents, talk to the kids. Now, if they don't have it, but he's a talented kid, I'm not going to be that guy to be like, no, you don't have the money. I'm not training you, you know. Um, and I won't even say, okay, if I train you for a lower price or train you for free, that you got to go out and talk about armed and dangerous, and that could help me build business if you became successful. I would never tell that to them um, or ask them to do that. If they feel they need to do that, if they want to do that, that's appreciated. But I would never be like, hey, you know, you're about to get interviewed on ESPN, hey, wear an armed and dangerous hat and talk about me and my company. If they do that, if they feel that passionate about that, you know, my company helped them and they want to do that organically, that's unbelievable. But uh, so it's always a different price range. I never have a hard set price to answer your question. I've heard some stories about some athletes in some training situations, not from you. Uh, they just, uh, they, they might make the best money out of anybody you train and they want to pay the least. Hey. I've, I've seen it. I've heard it. There's, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. It's crazy. And you can edit this out if you want to. Going back to that situation of, of seeing somebody who had unbelievable skill set but didn't have the money was EJ Manuel. There was a agent, Joby Brannion, who was recruiting uh, EJ. And he said, hey, you know, Steve, I want you to come out to, uh, to Norfolk. Uh, Virginia Beach and work with EJ. I'm not going to take care of your bill. It's If you want to do it, you got to take care of all your costs. And I'm like, okay, EJ, starting quarterback of Florida State, could help my business, raise my profile. So I went out there. This is I, when you trained him for his pro day? Uh, no, this is when he was before, still at Florida State. This was his oh, he's still summer. In yeah, this was the summer of his junior year okay. before his senior year. And I get out there, got a chance to meet you know his mom and dad, you know uh, Jackie and, and EJ Sr., and met EJ, of course. And uh, we went through the first workout, and his dad pulled me to the side and said, this workout was unbelievable. I mean, I've seen my son grow as a quarterback and get better just right here in front of my eyes. And he goes, I know I can't pay you. 
He goes, this is all I can pay you. He said, but if EJ ever makes it to the NFL, we will circle back and take care of you then. So, I mean, that was to for a man who's very prideful come to me and say, hey, I don't have it, but I know you can help my son get to the next level if we can work something out. It takes a lot. I mean, you got to be really strong character man to be able to do that and not be like, okay, well. How can you not want to work with that e- kid? Exactly, exactly. And for the parents, you know, it takes a lot to, to say something like that to somebody who you've never met. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. There you go. All right, it's time for the, we have a new round of questions on keeping it a hundo. It's called the keeping it a hundo round. So I'm going to need you to keep it a hundo, Cutter. Okay. (laughs) All right. I'm nervous. You ready? (laughs) Best quarterback of all time? Tom Brady. Best black quarterback of all time? Warren Moon. Best quarterback to come out of Southern California? Great question. Best quarterback to come out of Southern California, Todd Marinovich. I love it. Love <laughs> it. I want to work out with Marv Marinovich. Yeah, he was ahead of his time. <laughs> Todd was ahead of his time. Best quarterback named Steve. Steve Young. Yeah, that's pretty easy. Yeah. All right, ready? Name as many quarterbacks as you can named Steve that played in the NFL. Can you name five? Go. Steve Grogan. Steve Young. I came up with like 10. I think I got seven of them on my own, and then I started like looking at okay. and shit. And then who'd you come up with? So that's it? Yeah. I just. Steve Young and Steve Grogan? Yeah. You're leaving out some big ones. Um, one of the best black quarterbacks of all time. Oh, Steve McNair. There you go. All yeah, right. Got to get that one. <laughs> yeah, Steve McNair. We got um, a University of Miami guy. Steve Walsh. Steve Walsh. We got Steve DeBerg. Steve DeBerg. EJ's also worked with Steve DeBerg. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Steve Bono. Oh, dude. Oh, my gosh. We got, and this is the last one I got, Steve Fuller. Oh, see, I wouldn't even know Used to be a Bears backup on the Super Bowl team. Okay. With, like, McMahon and Mike Tomczak. Okay. Um, Steve Barkowski. Steve Barkowski. Steve Berline. Steve Berline. I know Steve Berline. I was just with him. Last weekend. There you go. <laughs> I was just with him last weekend. Oh, man, man, he's going to be pissed when he hears this. Yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> and Steve Pelua. Wow. Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. Football cards, man. Yeah. I collected a lot of football cards. No doubt about it. Yeah. Man. Uh, you have one big game to win. Who do you want playing quarterback for you? Tom Brady. Yeah. Since it's, your answer was Brady, that yeah, seems pretty it's, easy. It's pretty hands down. Who do you want running your team? Johnny Manziel or Ryan Leaf? When they're in their prime. Prime party phase and prime quarterback phase. Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel. Johnny football. Johnny football. He could temper his his emotions in the game. He could temper them. You know, he never got too high, never got too low. I mean, you know, you think about the game when they beat Alabama, you know, when he was at AM, you know, I don't think Ryan could do that. I mean, he would he got emotional and Got it. People can get him off his game. He wasn't any. Yeah, he wasn't any good anymore. Johnny have uh, another football career coming or what? CFL? No. He's done. I think he's done. Okay. Uh, I think you kind of already answered this one. You're the Giants. Who are you taking at number two? Uh, Rosen. You think he's gonna be there? Yeah. Okay. At two? Yeah. Because I, I mean, just listen to everybody talk. I think Sam Darnold's gonna go one. 
and you think your your money is on Rosen as being a better pro than Donald. Correct. Okay. He's a better natural thrower of the football right now. And yes. Okay. Question I ask all my guests, death row meal. What are you eating? Your last meal. Boneless ribeye, medium, uh, grilled asparagus, and some potato au gratin. With I a like crown, it. With a crown and coke with two splashes. I already knew that, but I was going to make sure that you crown said Crown on it. the rocks, two splashes of coke. All right. That's it. Top five. I usually do a top five rappers of all time, but I'm going to cater it to your West Coast roots. Okay. Top five West Coast rappers of all time. Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg, E-40, Too Short. Took it up to the bay. Yeah. DJ Quick. Okay. Cut is a big West Coast guy. <laughs> all right. You spent some time in New Mexico. Went to New Mexico State. Who do you want playing quarterback for you? Gus Fring or Heisenberg? Heisenberg. You taking Heisenberg? Yeah. What's what are his strong suits as a quarterback? Leader? Uh his last name is German. <laughs> you can work with a German quarterback. With, yeah. It's because he's a good door, so I can I can speak to him in German. Yeah, Gus Spring's Chilean. There's no Chilean <laughs> quarterback said, nah, you can't mess with them. That's about all I got, Cutter. Okay. Well man, I appreciate you uh having me on your podcast, keeping it one hundo. <laughs> You got any so, questions for me before we go? No, not at all. When's the next time? Yeah, when's the next time we're hooking up? Me, you, and EJ. We got to go to another Marlins uh, ball game. That, we got to go to New York. Yeah. Got to go to New York. I we're going to have to hit a game. Yeah, because we saw Stanton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so now we got to go to New York. That's a good idea. Definitely. Maybe EJ's birthday next Maybe. month. Absolutely. All right, man. Okay. That's it for my conversation with Steve Cutter Calhoun of Omnid Dangerous. Although we didn't speak any German, I hope you learned something about the nuances of playing quarterback. His credentials speak for themselves. I love picking his brain about playing the position. I played in high school in Pop Warner. But Steve really understands it on a whole nother level. Also, keep an eye on the NFL draft coming up on April 26th. A few of Steve's guys we spoke about will be getting drafted. Nebraska quarterback Tanner Lee. Utah wide receiver Darren Carrington II, and Kansas State wide receiver Byron Pringle. After the podcast, Steve and I got a chance to have lunch with some of the coaches from around the league, guys he's friends with, and we just had some great conversations about football, about the way things work in the locker room, um, just some some really good people. Appreciate the chance to talk to um Chris Wilson and Philip Daniels, they, they coach uh, the defensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles. Talking about winning a Super Bowl, how it was preparing for Brady and the Patriots. Also uh, spoke to Andre Cotter of the Dolphins. He's a D-line coach over there. Really good guys and uh, even had the opportunity to meet Dan Marino. One of the all-time greats, number 13, Mr. Isotona. So it was a great experience overall. See you next week. That's it for keeping it a hundo.